Welcome to the Metro Minute, Loving Learning Edition, hosted by Alyssa Quarles, Director of Learning and Instruction, and Liz Farthing, EdTech Specialist at Metro Christian Academy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Here we collaborate with educational leaders in the K-12 world to dive deeper into all things professional development and ed tech. Our goal is not just to empower you to grow as a professional in the classroom, but to encourage you as a lifelong learner who educates out of the overflow of your flourishing mind, body, and spirit. We are so excited to learn together. Hey, everybody. Today, we are going to discuss the final letter in our tech acronym, HOLISTIC. Very exciting. As a reminder, our tech acronym stands for technology, enrich, Christian, and holistic. So we have gone through all of those so far. If you have not been following along with us, feel free to go back and listen to those episodes. But Liz, we have special news today, don't we? We sure do. To help us have a thoughtful conversation, we have guests with us today, Karen Euler and Andrea Hancock. So excited that y'all are here. Ladies, to start off with, can you tell us what you're doing right now and what has been your journey that led you to where you are? Karen Euler here. I am the high school counselor, and this is my third year in that position. I have spent the previous years, 12 or so, in the classroom. My background is math education, secondary math education, teaching everything from pre-algebra through Calc BC. Um, I have my master's in Christian counseling from Oral Roberts University, which opened the door for high school counseling. And I love the role I'm in right now because I'm able to serve the students in a different capacity than just in the classroom. I have always been very interested in the whole person in my students. And so helping them kind of direct their path into what comes next, feed into their interests and things like that. I could do a little bit as a classroom teacher, but now I have the opportunity to do that a whole lot more. So I love this role. I still am in the classroom two hours a day, though, teaching um, various things, um, and so I enjoy being able to still be in the classroom. I'm Andrea. This is my first year at Metro. I teach freshman English. Prior to this, my journey is a little weird. It's kind of long, like the journey of life. This is my sixth year in a classroom. I took about a five-year break for a while. So I'm just coming back from that. Fun fact, I went back to school, got accepted at a medical school, and then decided I could not give up that much time. Uh, I wouldn't have seen my family. So jumped back in. My son Cal has been going here. This is his fourth year and I've loved Metro. So having come off of that insane school journey recently, it's kind of given me a new perspective on what I want to do in the classroom and all of that. Yeah, we're so glad to have you both here at Metro and here in the podcast studio today. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It is magical to be here. Speaking of magical, sometimes it feels like holistic learning is that magical, ambiguous something. Ladies, what would you say is the way that we can be holistic educators that teach to the mind, body and spirit of our students? What does that look like? I'm a big fan of Abraham Maslow and his research on our hierarchy of needs. And that has helped me really understand a little bit more about human beings and how we're created. And I feel like it fits really perfectly with God's word and how we're created to be whole people. And so just being able to be open when students have other issues going on, when they walk into the classroom, you can tell as a teacher when it's just not going to happen that day academically and you can revise your plans 
but I feel like we have to be open to that. Mm. And so the biggest thing I would challenge teachers with is, are you open to that? Or are you so stuck on your lesson plans and unwilling to change that you just totally shut down that emotional, spiritual, social component, whatever it is that students need in that moment and just forge forward with the academic content, which they probably don't retain as well as you would like them to because there are so many other issues going on. So I think the big thing is being open to addressing the issues that the students present with and relying on the Holy Spirit in that leadership and being flexible to adjust as necessary to meet their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. When I, my very first year of teaching, I taught in an inner city school in Oklahoma City. And so, you know, just dealing with all kinds of outside influences inside of the classroom. And I was fortunate enough that right before I began teaching, they did a school-wide training. And it is, I think at the flipping group, it's called Capturing Kids' Hearts. And the whole idea behind it is if you have a student's heart, you'll have their head. Definitely like what you just said, Karen. And God calls us to do that. I mean, we see time and time again the examples of him teaching, but taking out, you know, the woman at the well and meeting her where she is. And so definitely if they're worried about, you know, that bottom of the hierarchy, you know, where they're going to eat or sleep or any of that, or even the next level of those relationship issues, it doesn't matter how great your lesson on thesis construction is. It's it's in one ear and out the other. I think that's what makes it kind of tiring at times because, you know, there are days I think like it would be so much easier to just come in, be like, here's what we're going to learn, get on board or get out. Um, I would never do that (laughs) just for anybody (laughs) listening. (laughs) Robbie Davis, if that's you. Um, No, but I, I am more fulfilled in my job as well when I am helping the students see that you have your own skills and you've been created in a special way by God. Let's figure out how to operate within that. And I think grades improve, performance improves, engagement improves. Um, it's, it's tough. It is because like, yes, I think the challenge to be flexible is huge, but kids also, you know, pick up on that. So I can get educators who are like, you know, I don't want to let them dictate the the course or the plan. And also like kids thrive in structure and having that structure and that predictability can be a way to teach holistically. So it's just a tough balance. I think that's where you're exactly right. Like we have to be sensitive to the spirit because some days the answer is going to be okay, we obviously have more pressing needs than meiosis at the moment, and let's address those. But then sometimes it is like, hey, let's table that for now and focus on science or English or math or whatever it may be. What are some other obstacles that get in the way of us being holistic teachers, just in a practical sense? I think it is just so time intensive. You know, one of the first things that I do at the beginning of a year, I spend two weeks, which is insane when I think about it, two weeks on classroom culture and building an environment where things are safe or because we're asking our students every day to be vulnerable and take risks. And it just it takes so much time. And so I can get caught in that trap of like, oh, well, I have X, Y and Z curriculum wise that I need to get to or these skills. But then it's like if I'm not connecting or 
setting them up or getting to know them. What am I doing? But then once you get into it, you know, trying to individualize those lessons to where it's relevant to each kid where, you know, you don't care about English. I know you don't, you don't see how it's used, but this is the skill we can pull from it that you will use every single day, even if it is just, you know, mentally locking in in a situation when you don't want to. You're training something. What are you training right now? And so it is, I mean, it's not trying to sound the want, want sound, but it's, it's, it is tiring at times. And it's like emotional. Yes. It can be emotionally rewarding and really exciting mm-hmm. as a teacher, but also emotionally draining. Yes. And I think that's like teaching is a work of the heart as many a coffee mug has told us. <laughs> um, but it, but it really is true. You know, it's a double-sided coin. Karen, what do you think? Yes, time for sure. And I think a lot of teachers are very strict with their, their structure and their objectives and their standards. And especially if there are tests down the road or whatever may be happening, like, well, I have to teach this, I have to get to this. And so we hold on to that so much. And I wonder sometimes if it's almost um, for the pride of the teacher. I don't know if that's the right word I want to use, but being able to look and say, hey, look, my students did this well on their standardized tests this year, or well, we got this far. How far did you get? Almost a way to validate their own teaching and where you might feel inferior at times where I look, hey, it's December and we're a month behind where I was last year and I feel like I've done something wrong in the classroom. And so that desire to do all of the things kind of overwrites the relationship aspect of teaching. But then like you said, Andrea, then what what are we even doing if we don't build that relationship first. So I would say time is the biggest contributor personally and professionally withholding to standards. And it's a risk, I feel like, to develop those relationships because then we do engage on a deeper level emotionally and spiritually with the students and you become so much more connected to them and the students don't always appreciate that. So it can be kind of risky too. Mm, That makes me think a lot. Every single one of you have at some point mentioned a connection that I see as really clear to discipleship. You know, that's this time element and it's relationship building. And especially with this open-handed space to say, okay, we have these objectives and we also are working towards excellence, right? But sometimes excellence can even look like being interruptible and allowing, you know, that flexibility. And so I think that's so key that we have this almost double-sided coin and perspective to look at that. As you have all of these things, you're holding all these things in your mind and in your plans. Can you tell us about some of your favorite experiences that you've had connecting with students holistically? What's that looked like? I think about, um, I got a text message today from a former student's wife. He is all grown up and in his 30s now, but just reaching out to ask me something and they send me pictures of their little girl. And it just means so much to me to be able to look at that and say, I've had this relationship with you for 25, no, 15 years. I can't do math. Did you go 25, 30? No. I don't know. Somewhere. I don't know. A long time. I think he graduated in 2006 or something. You know, so it's been a long time where I got to see him in high school and he struggled a lot in a lot of different areas. Even post high school, he kind of, you know, went AWOL for a little bit and all sorts of things. But it's really neat to see him come full circle. And I think about the math instruction that I gave him in the classroom to help him graduate and meet those requirements and move on to the next phase of life. But I also think about the times we've been able to talk about our faith and how We see God practically in our world, even in the moments where he was questioning and not really sure what he believed, to now being able to be a firm believer and share his beliefs, um, to see him grow emotionally enough to 
meet this lovely lady and now he has a family together. And so I think just all of those, I love being able to stay connected with the students and see where God takes them because a lot of the students feel like high school is kind of it. It's hard to see much beyond. And so I love, even when they're still in college, coming back and visiting with them and seeing, okay, so what have you learned since you left Metro and how have you grown and what has been harder than you thought or what has been easier and just being able to connect on all of those levels beyond the academic. I think being a constant for kids is huge and we get that wrong a lot, but I was listening to a counselor on a podcast this weekend and he said, as a parent, like if you get it right 50% of the time, you are a good parent. And I was like, oh, that's so freeing. Like, I feel like if we get it right 50% of the time, then we're a good educator. And so just not letting kids doubts when we're thinking about like the spiritual formation of our students, like not letting that, you know, ring alarms and be like, oh my gosh, are you even a Christian? Like just asking them questions and not letting that be so alarming. And then it quiets their doubts and they're able to be comfortable. And I think that's huge. Like for that student, when he was obviously struggling and you were still there, he knew that you were a safe space and returned to that year after year. That's so sweet. And I think it's so great too, because I think a lot of times we don't get to see the fruits of our labor. You know, we're getting these kids. I mean, they're just, just now starting the process of figuring out who they are. Like it is, and I, like when I was listening to you talk, Karen, I was thinking about just, you know, that idea of high school is it. Like this is and I mean, it was like a tiny blip on the radar. And who I was in high school is, thank goodness, not who I am now. But knowing that we are on the very, very front end of that. So when they do come back and they have the, you're just like, oh, it, it's that little, that little kick to spend two weeks on something that educationally, curricularly is not. Is curricular a word, right? Affirmative. Thanks. I don't know. I mean, I'm the English teacher is up here asking what words are. So cool. Yeah. Mine, I think of a girl, very similar situation. She was tough. So tough. Started out the year she tried to fight me. That was awesome. She ended up getting pregnant. This was not here at Metro, just to clarify. <laughs> this was actually my first year of teaching. It was a doozy. But I mean, it was just every day was a battle. Looking back now, she was trying to push me away to see, you know, she was so used to everybody just kind of backing out. And she ended up, she saying she was going to quit school, you know, because she's pregnant and all of this. And so we worked really hard to figure out something or a way for her to stay in. And she delivered her child after I had her. It was over the summertime, but she came back to me about, or she messaged me on Facebook, I think about six years later and she just basically like said thank you so much for those times mm -hmm. and I know it was hard and I know I was mean and I was like yeah you tried to <laughs> you tried to fight me <laughs> but she has a job now she went on and um, went to like a trade school and got education in that and she was like my child lives with me they're not in DHS custody and you know it's just all of those things that they're like okay I can do it. Please don't. I mean, I could do without the fighting stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just those those kids coming back and saying, mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. Moral of the story, contact your teacher. Look them up on <laughs> Facebook Messenger. Yes. <laughs> it's It really does give us life, truly, just to know the impact that we get to make. Mm. It's an honor. 
Okay, now this is kind of techie, techie podcast. You know, I'm a techie gal. So we got to bring technology into this. What are some ways that you guys have seen technology used that kind of lends itself to having a holistic classroom and building maybe that classroom culture that you were talking about, Andrea, or giving students some voice in ways that we can honor different parts of who they are? So I was the annoying student who school was easy, but like I didn't want to do anything unless I understood why I was kind of rebellious in that sense of like, if I don't see a practical use right now, I don't really want to do it. And so when I go to just even the lesson or how they're turning it in or how we're working on it, I'm always trying to think about what what's going to be expected of them in college? How are they going to have to be able to utilize technology? And how are they going to have to use it when they have a job? And so a lot of, and I know the kids probably get super frustrated with me, but it's, you know, finding deadlines in Google Classroom or looking at things. How do I set up my calendar? How do I break things down? We've talked a lot about different strategies to keep track of all of their to-do lists. You know, they're riddled with anxiety and it's because they just have those thoughts constantly going in their minds. So kind of teaching them how to brain dump and using to-doist or things or things as an app, not just that weird, <laughs> you're just saying things, um, just getting them to understand. And one of my freshmen the other day, they were like, you were four years away from college. Why are you saying all this? And I was like, well, you have four years to get through these, figuring it out and how to organize your life. And you are going to be way ahead of the game, your freshman year of college. So I don't really know if I answered. We I show yeah. a lot of those. One of the websites that I've really started using this year and just I'm just using it right now actually with the tennis team and with my advisory they're kind of testing it out but it's a long.org um, and I love it it's a way that you can build relationships with the students but it's reciprocal so before I can ask them to answer something about themselves or whatever I have to answer the exact same question they are getting that vulnerability from me they're seeing a different side of me than just the teacher who is giving them tests or whatever Um, But it's a safe space for them because it's not they, you know, it's awkward to sit and stare at people and talk about your feelings or your fears or your worries or whatever. They can do it from their computer. It has the option um, where you can record a video as a response. They can type it. They can link different things. But it has been very interesting in some of the responses. You know, there's a couple kids that I would have never known that they were struggling with some of the things that they were if it hadn't been for that and just nothing crazy, but just like friend issues or confidence issues. And they, on the outside, they appear super confident and like they can crush everything. And then in these messages, it's like, I don't have anybody. I don't know what to do, you know? And so I think that there, I think we're about to see quite a few sites kind of like long.org or things like that of really how do we in a safe way tap into this huge side of a person. I remember our first year back from COVID and being shut down and we had done Google Classroom training the summer prior so that we could implement Google Classroom, you know, across the board and all of those things. And one thing that 
that the trainer mentioned was in a get to know you type form leaving a are there any additional comments you would like or anything else you'd like me to know about you section which I had never thought I'd done get to know you forms before but it was all pretty basic you know your name your birthday your favorite color all that kind of stuff so this year back I went ahead and left it open and I was teaching eighth grade that year and one of the students replied with very personal information about one of her parents who had died in a kind of traumatic manner and how that affected her and again it was a quieter student who would have never come up to me and verbally said that to me but being able to be receptive to that and hear from her through technology at that time helped me understand her better in the classroom and some Mm -hmm. of the things that she struggled with and even thinking back through that year and looking at moments that we had it kind of made sense in that light and so I feel like technology gives a voice to quiet students I also feel like technology empowers students to be creative and so I love those assignments that are very unstructured and have very few limitations I found students do not like those assignments <laughs> not like well, at all no tell me what you want and I'm like mm-hmm. well you just have to meet these things and then you can do however you'd like to do it but is this right but right, is this right? right? Right. They just want the right answer. And, and that like, transfers to adults too. Yes. Like, so true. Mm, yes. We like our little structures. Yeah. So, but I love those open-ended assignments mm-hmm. because then you get to see the creative side of people or some people like myself, I would probably just write a paper or something, you know, and maybe <laughs> not be so creative, but giving a student choice. Mm-hmm. I feel like technology mm-hmm. has really empowered teachers to allow more student choice in the classroom, which I think is a big part of teaching holistically is it allows them to choose. It gives them kind of more autonomy in the classroom. It helps them take ownership of their education as opposed to just another check mark saying done, I can completed that worksheet or whatever. And I think it helps with a deeper level of processing of the content too. Yeah. I really like how you brought up creativity and choice. Uh, My background's in elementary. So I'm thinking, you know, not at the high school level, but with my third graders, I remember some students who maybe didn't have normally as many shine bright moments in an academic space. When we took our presentations and our papers that we had worked so hard on and then got to make a fun slideshow, which they had never done before, it was revolutionary that we could have a visual. And that was so fun for them because some of these students quickly figured out without anyone else showing them how, how to do transitions and animations and put fun, you know, a GIF on there. And that was the moment where they then had 10 to 12 of other students quickly come around their desk with, ooh, show me, show me. And that was a beautiful moment to say, we do all have these spaces and they look different and that's expected. That's a good thing because we are different. And that was a moment of celebration to say, okay, in academics, here's another thing, but that transfers to all of our other areas too. Like even socially, like I'm not the friend who can go do this fun thing, but I will come with you and I want to learn about that, you know? So that was a cool moment. You know, I'll listen to things like this and they'll be like, yeah, that's great. That how do how do I do that in the classroom? And I think this all sounds wonderful. I would love to do all of that. But there is that additional classroom management piece. Like I'm adding an additional, you know, hat. And so if anybody is listening and they're like, man, I would love to do that. But just just take the leaps. They'll surprise you, I think, more than um, you might. And then there are some days they'll surprise you on the opposite side. And it's like, <laughs> OK, we're not going to be able to use our computers today because we're not being responsible. Mm-hmm. But but 
I think I just wanted to throw out there that like, I think we all realize too that taking these risks or adding these new things, there are challenges, but mm-hmm. that's okay. I think everything great has challenges. And I love how practical, you know, that is of like, okay, what do I do? And even with Karen, you mentioned the open-ended question. I think sometimes it will surprise us how simple their requests are. There are absolutely the big things like, hey, we need to change the whole structure of this. But then there's the moments where, you know, a kid might even say, you know, hey, at our end of school checkout time, can we do struggles as well as what was fun today? Be able to talk about that. And even that being a really holistic opportunity. So I think willingness to learn with the kids and Mm -hmm. see what they're even acknowledging. Hey, I need this or this would be really helpful for me. Which is a huge paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be the content, yeah. everything experts. We're supposed to have it all together. But I think it's also super freeing when it's like, hey, guess what? I'm a human mm-hmm. and I don't know how to, like on a daily basis. Can somebody show me how to open this? Because I can't yes. get, you know, or whatever. But even modeling when I don't know something, instead of trying to fake it, I say, hey, I don't know. Let me look into it and I'll get back to you because that's something that they're going to have to use at some point. And so, again, I mean, that's the scary side, I think, of all of this is we are being just as vulnerable. And of course, this goes, sorry, going way too far back. But at the beginning, when we were talking about having kind of that ability to change in the moment, if something different comes up or we need to address something different, that's really hard as a teacher too, because what if something gets brought up that I don't don't know the answer to, or we're going, you know, because we don't, we don't know every single thing. It's not possible. I mean, you guys might, I do think you guys are really smart, but... (laughs) I have to press the laughter button because, (laughs) oh, Uh, but I mean, and I'm about to give a sermon here, but it ties back to we can't walk around and act like we're not sinners. You know, we're not creating an environment where we can bear with one another, you know, our issues. And we got to do it all in the classroom, in our Christian daily walk, all of that. We're just all flawed. That moral of the story. We were going to talk about holistic, but now. We're just finding out that we're just we're a bunch of sinners. sinners. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think that's so good. And when you do make that paradigm shift of I am not the content deliverer, I am now a guide, then that can be really beautiful. And then when a kid asks a question like, actually, are there particles in an atom that are smaller than electrons? And I look at him with a blank face because physical science is not a thing, then I say, I don't know, why don't you do some research and teach me? And then that becomes not only a beautiful learning opportunity, but an extra credit opportunity. That is real world learning. Like you are going to have questions that pop up all the time on a daily basis. And we have the resources to find the answers. But so often we're like, well, I don't know. And just move on (laughs) rather than like Googling it and learning. And so I want to, you know, as a teacher, reward that Mm -hmm. real world life skill. Can we move on to what are you learning? Right now. (laughs) I added a weird note. (laughs) You're welcome. If you guys have ever been by my office or Alyssa's office around 2.35 p.m., would you say that's generally the cutoff? Depends on the day. Does depend on the day. That's true. We often sing and dance and are just goofballs. It's in there all the time, but that's the time of day that it emerges. <laughs> I uh, hope you guys have like a Troy and Abed in the I mean, type song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, because this is a loving learning podcast, we always end with what 
you are learning right now. Mm -hmm. I am learning the joy of collaboration. I have been working to become a coach this past semester through Google's program. I would highly recommend it if any of our listeners are, you know, trying to become an educational coach. But it's just been fun because I got to start meeting with our teachers this week. And I feel like I am learning alongside them and just getting to ask them questions and see their sweet students. And it's been really fun. And I have like the world's greatest group of people. Like there's someone from every kind of area of our school that I'm getting to coach this first round. And so I'm just really excited. And it's been so life-giving thus far. I think that's a great example of holistic. It's all the areas. It's not just like a uh-oh space. It's a hmm, I'm wondering space. And then it's a neat partnership. I'm going to take a swerve. This is not academic at all. <laughs> So Mr. Quarles is learning how to make sourdough. And I say learning. He's, I think, quite mastered it because it's been a while and he makes the loaves and they're delish. But anyways, I am learning the ways to consume them and different. (laughs) Is there more than one way? Does it all just go in your mouth? Rapidly. (laughs) But we're going to look at how to make like bagels and cookies. And I just thought it was bread. So I'm just learning about the variations of sourdough consumption. I feel like it's the most intimidating bread of all because there's like a there's like a jar of stuff that you have to have to be able and no does anybody even really know what that is? It just like the goop. But then isn't it called like the mother? No, that's the starter. That's apple cider vinegar. No, that it's weird. Yeah, it's called a mother. It's weird. Sorry. That's for another day. That is. But anyways, I'm excited. We're gonna make cookies this evening. Sourdough? Sourdough cookies. What? He's made them before and they were so good. So I'm going to learn that. This is intriguing. I, yeah. yeah. Can you bring those? Can we do a follow up well, podcast yeah, we'll where we just, some, mm, we learn how to yep, consume? Eat them, ASMR <laughs> into the mic. All the ways to consume sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So I bring that up because at small group this last week, some of the other families are also doing the sourdough kick. And for one of them, it's a marker of how well they're doing is if we can say, hey, are you making bread right now? Because for them, that was a margin indicator because if they were not, there was too much going on. Someone had brought that up this Sunday. And although sourdough is not my thing, I think it's important to have those identifiers. And this is just a fun something to have. So I appreciated that. I'm learning about the for fun indicators. So then we could go around and saying, what's your sourdough? Yeah. Like it's like a new, Mm -hmm. what's your marker? Yeah. Like when was the last time you jumped into a puddle? I guess that depends on the rain. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm learning. It depends on my shoes. I'm just kidding. Mm. I am, I'm always learning, like, I just, my ADHD, just a lot of things all at once. I got on a deep dive on Canva this weekend. Yes. You guys had talked so much about it, and I played around with it a little bit, but I mean, like, because I went deep into, I figured out how to create a 12 image split it's called like a puzzle Instagram post. And so it's 12, 12 images that make up one image. Oh, where you mm, kind of slide, yeah. slide and yes. it's one. I mean, Ooh. it's nuts. And I did it with our tennis team, the senior pictures. But now I'm like, oh, I can't post any. I don't know how people do this because then every time you post something, it like skews it all up. And there's just right. the bottom half of a kid on a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really digging Canva. That's awesome. We like that. I am doing something that's somewhat educational. 
are related to my job in psychology, um, but also more with visiting with friends and just for myself, I'm learning more about somatic exercises and fascial release and how our body stores our emotions and how we can let those go, which I think plays right into this holistic kind of Right. We've been talking about and just how intertwined our bodies, minds, and spirits really are. And we like to separate them and say, oh, I'm fine, and just push our emotions away and make our body do things when really our body and our emotions are so linked that sometimes we physically cannot, and that's okay. So I'm just on the cusp of learning more about that, and I think it's very, very fascinating. Mm. Let's have a sourdough somatic release. I was just thinking, yes. like, what could we do to combine these things? And then I will take pictures and put them <laughs> and on a 12-inch <laughs> spread. Big smiles. I love it. Metro's page. Wow. So oh, glad yes. we're learning. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us on our podcast today. This was a blast. Thank you for having us. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Metro Minute, Loving Learning Edition, where we talk about all things professional development and ed tech for K-12 teachers in today's world. Find new episodes, resources, and more on our website at metroca.com slash podcast or on social media under Metro Christian Academy Tulsa. Stay curious and keep learning. See you next time.